So welcome back to my podcast. This week's a conversation with Hype Bay. So Hype Bay is obviously the leading online destination for women's fashion, culture, and streetwear news. And recently Hype Bay released a report called Diving Into Digital. And Diving Into Digital is basically an exploration between our online and offline style. The Diving Into Digital report was actually written by the managing editor at Hype Bay, Kate Mahonahan, as well as the associate writer and strategist, Sophia Dela Cruz. So for this episode, I actually got the privilege of speaking with Kate and Sophia and they were kind enough to break down the six different trend aesthetics that they identified within the Diving Into Digital report. So just like in the report, in this conversation, Kate and Sophia break down what the trends are, where they originated from, and also accompany them with some visual examples of brands and designers that are really embracing these aesthetics. We also discuss how digital culture is impacting the footwear, beauty, and fashion landscape as a whole, as well as how we believe digital culture will continue to impact physical fashion. So I was really so grateful for Kate and Sophia for taking the time to break down these trends. I think the level of detail and research they went into to create this report is absolutely incredible. If you are listening to this podcast, I strongly recommend you check out the YouTube video so you can see the visual examples that Kate and Sophia share. And as always, I really hope you enjoy this episode and let's get into the conversation. Hi, I'm Sophia. Um, I'm originally from Spain, but been living in London for 10 years. So I'm a Spanish Londoner by now, I guess. Um, (laughs) I am a writer and strategist in the fashion and art industry, and I currently work as an associate editor and strategist at Hype Bay, and I also do contribute in writing for Future World. Um, And I'll say apart from my editorial work, I am very interested in marketing and communications. So, yeah. Um, And I'm Kate Monaghan. I am the managing editor at Hype Bay. Um, but also outside of that, do a lot of um, strategy and insights work for different trend forecasting agencies. Um, And yeah, that's it. So cool. I think the work you both do is so interesting because obviously Hype Bay and Hype Beast obviously at the leading edge of the culture and like different things that are going on, especially within fashion. So I think the topics you're covering are so interesting. And then Obviously, I'm a fan of Hype Bay, but then I came across the Diving Into Digital report. And when I saw it, I was inside, oh my God, this is so cool because you're obviously investigating the exact things that we talk about on this podcast. So I was like, I just have to speak to the people that wrote it. So it's like, it's, I'm so happy that I actually get the chance to deep dive this with you. So obviously, like I said, Hype Bay covers fashion and streetwear, but obviously, grounded in physical fashion, physical streetwear. So why did you decide to do the diving into digital report? And if you can also explain what exactly this is, then that would be helpful as well. Yeah, for sure. So I think Hype Beast and Hype Bay inherently um, were both brands and publishers that try to push culture forward. That's kind of our, our tagline. And what that means is bringing streetwear into multiple different categories and seeing where they intersect. So where that be, whether that be um, music or design um, or just kind of like larger culture, I'm trying to see how streetwear kind of fits into that. And I think within um, digital culture, it's something that Sophia and I are both really interested in. Um, And obviously when you think about art, design, footwear, fashion at this moment in time, you have to think about, screens and digital identity and how they're intersecting 
Um, and I think specifically for this report, um, there's so many white papers um, and conversations and panels around Web3 and blockchain and NFTs and crypto and AI. And it's very client-centric and it's very tech-centric. So that got us thinking about how we can make this about the consumer, uh, specifically for a streetwear consumer that might have kind of a disconnect to it because often it's presented with like kind of difficult to understand vernacular. Um, so it just got us thinking like digital culture is everywhere. Uh, and even if you're not kind of, you know, a Web3 geek, it's still impacting your decisions um, in terms of your like shopping and fashion uh, behavior. It's affecting your beauty. Uh, it's affecting the design that you see both on screen and off screen. Uh, so we wanted to just kind of make it make sense for a hype bay audience. Um, and show that it doesn't have to be this kind of like gatekeepy conversation. Um, it's really around us all the time. So we wanted to present specifically the aesthetics um, that relate to digital culture trickling into physical fashion. Um, but I guess at a high level, that's what diving into digital. The report is it's looking at how digital culture is really influencing fashion, footwear, beauty, and design aesthetics uh, in the physical world and how those the gaps between online and offline are continuing to merge. When we started this, ChatGBT wasn't live to the public. Um, there was, you know, there was AI, generative AI software, for example, but um, so much of it has changed. Like, I think we started at looking more kind of AR, NFT, um, digital fashion. But then as we were doing the research, everything was changing every day and we were constantly catching up with new brands and new points of conversation. So it's almost like we would do the research, write the trend and then be like, wait, this isn't even relevant anymore and have to like edit it back and start again and make sure it still made sense and have you know some sort of longevity to it, as much longevity as, as possible um, in the digital space. But it was interesting to kind of, chase conversations constantly um and make sure that it was still relevant yeah to to add to what kate said i mean digital culture is so broad and that's why like even in the white paper we have so many sub areas so there's fashion there's beauty there's footwear there's design and i'm not gonna lie it was such a long <laughs> and intensive process to actually like find visuals that we connected with and that they will express this abstract concept because i don't know about you but when i think about web3 like nothing really comes to my mind other than like a word and a number <laughs> so that's why we wanted to make the report really visual um to make it accessible and to make it engaging and we spent so much time equally researching and speaking to people and then working with her graphic design team our creative teams like really you know well you've seen the report it's like we really wanted to make it super engaging and like that people actually enjoy going back to it learning from it and even in like a few years just going back to it to like really see you know what was it like at this moment in time because it's an ecosystem that is growing so fast because when we started research and we had an open mind, we obviously had some preconceptions of what the current landscape of digital culture was like. But at the same time, we just wanted to keep this sort of open mind and like explore and learn. 
Um, so at first we did a lot of research into digital artists, CGI artists, even like digital fashion creators, like tribute brands. Um, yeah, I feel like most of our research came through social media really, or just like other publications are more native to the space, um, podcasts. And once we found the people that we really connected with and kind of represented the idea we had about like the digital landscape, we connected to them through like social media and yeah, just like start having conversations with them and see what they had to say. Cause sometimes, you know, artists, they're just like left down to what the, the creative work they produce. And we really wanted to like, you know, gain an understanding from like Web3 literate as well as like artists. Um, yeah, I love how you said that because it's something that I also grapple with because sometimes it's like what aspect of this digital culture and digital landscape is most relevant for fashion but then you realize it's not about the actual technical aspect it's about the impact that it's having and especially for your typical fashion consumer yeah they don't need to know the technical jargon around all these topics it's more about the impact of digital culture that we are all involved in even if you don't realize and that's really the interesting aspect of it and I feel like in that way, with this report specifically, you said you wanted people to be able to come back to it and it actually means something, therefore grounding it in like the aesthetics that this digital culture has pushed forward, I think is a really good way to do that. And it also kind of ties it more into the fashion landscape, because obviously that is an industry grounded in aesthetics and yeah, the actual physical products. So I think this is now a great time to actually delve into the trends. So I know you identified six different trends that digital culture has enabled or pushed forward. So if you can start just breaking these down, I think it'd be really interesting. Yeah, of course. So um, the first trend is swimwear. And this relates to the fact that fashion has been drawing inspiration from the internet for so many years. And only recently we started to see it on the actual runway, you know, even most recently through the whole Louis Vuitton, Pharrell debut, you know, the Damouflage pattern. It's that idea of like glitchcore and surrealist patterns and prints. And it really is all about early wet nostalgia in a way, you know, like these kind of like glitchy and pixelated sort of backgrounds and obviously that lower show with like pixelated minecraft inspired garments made such a big impression in like all of us we've also seen it with uh, i think it was last year that burberry did a collab with minecraft and we really liked how the new york based designer kim shu crowdsourced 10,000 images from her discord channel and like created this really cool dress with like images that people send um so yeah it's that sort of idea of like crazy patterns and prints um and also i feel like this has come more recently but like how popular it was last year to like literally use 3d scanning on your phone and like we saw so many brands doing this sort of like campaigns where they like 
even badly 3D scan like their models or like the, the set design and they just like put them out and we thought it was cool because it was like very different you know not only like the fact that it was 3D scan but also like you know that they didn't care if it was perfect it was more like them like kind of delving into this space yeah they basically yeah it was like they just used probably any app like an accessible app to any consumer and went around the body and then uploaded the digital scan yeah and then you could also do a 360 around um yeah model and like again it was glitchy it wasn't perfect um but it was just such an interesting way to showcase like a lookbook or a collection and it wasn't because it was tech inspired necessarily it was the way they chose to present it um which is which is interesting yeah and it's something that literally anyone could do like we all of us can just like scan it and (laughs) and post it yeah we saw it um on kiko kostadinov and affix works there's a few examples in the report about it so the second trend is bionic bodies, and this gets more into kind of outside of textile, um, gets into the actual silhouettes and the garments and, you know, across different sci-fi fantasies and fictional characters and gameplay, we've always seen these bodies adorned with this metallic armor that's at, at times uh, interconnected to different softwares or hardwares. It's about kind of extending the body, so bringing on these artificial limbs um, onto the shoulders uh, or to the chest or or to the head, and we've seen that a lot within video games, but now there's so many more examples of bringing that type of uh, silhouette and body extension into physical collections, so really cool examples from like Han Copenhagen um, to KWK. Um, but I think what's interesting about that one is how it could potentially become more than just a design aesthetic and we can start to actually have functionality within these bionic limbs. Um, and it gets quite, you know, transhumanist and cool to think about what these fashion limbs can um, create or enable for us as humans when we wear them. It's really important to call out the the players that have created these kind of anti-gravity defying silhouettes to begin with. Um, so, you know, that's everyone from, from DressX uh, to Tribute. And it's really interesting to see these huge extensions to the body through these um, AR filters. But then what that looks like in physical collections is something like Han Copenhagen, which are a Denmark-based brand. And they really create these huge like shoulder pads that go out to here or they have like like insane metal heels that have like swords on them uh and or like chest armor almost uh and it really kind of looks it looks like a proper video game but on the runway in a super luxury gorgeous way um and it really showcases like how that metallic chrome is being brought um through to these garments because obviously chrome and, and silver metallics that's that's really big um right now it just is like a colorway um but when you place that onto these garments it gives this whole kind of new like what would it look like if our bodies were enabled by these huge tech tools um and it makes you think a lot about 
yeah, kind of just extensions of our own um, capabilities as human beings. Um, Rohan Mirza uh, also kind of creates uh, body extensions and bionic bodies, but through accessories. So uh, he has these really interesting like earrings that are spirals that kind of like fly out into the air. They're huge and they're really cool as well as um, rings as well. So it's not just, you know, the standard ring around your finger, but it's a ring and it kind of goes all over your hand. Um, so that's quite cool. One. We can go on to humanoid beauty then next, which is quite related to bionic bodies. Uh, but humanoid beauty is really about the idea of being inundated with images on our screens um, from virtual influencers and avatar bodies and, and CGI made humans. Uh, and they're they're typically adorned with kind of metallic chrome skin. You know, all of their skin is is really cool, um, vibrant color. And we're seeing that more and more within um, physical beauty. So on the runway, you know, you're seeing models from different shows, from Diesel to Marine Sarah to Natasha Zinko and, and Valentino, all not only having beauty on, you know, your lips, eyes, cheeks, or whatever. Um, but really having this beauty covering your entire body. And it's very reminiscent of the the virtual influencers that we're seeing online. Um, and I think it's quite cool to think about it, not from like this metaversian approach of bringing Web3 onto our bodies, but really about kind of disrupting beauty standards and what beauty means entirely um, for our physical faces and our physical selves. Now we move on to modular kicks, which essentially are mo bold modular footwear. Um, and this is made possible by 3D printing. 3D printing is such a big theme in this trend because um, it allows designers to like really break traditional ways of manufacturing and like, you know, footwear design. Um, it almost serves as a bridge between digital design and like physical function. And some of our favorite brands are Scary Lab or Sellerfurl, um, because they use sustainable 3D printing techniques to not only like push forward this super interesting design, but also there's such a big sustainable aspect into it, like minimizing waste while expressing their creativity. And a few other examples uh, that we mentioned in the report are for are um, the Matthew. Williams and Nike Slide or Meso Margiela and Reebok. Um, and these designs like appear very simple and sleek, but they actually possess such an intricate um, conceptual construction. Um, from a digital lens, the first brand that comes to mind is Artifact. I feel like they're the pioneer in the virtual sneaker industry. I don't think they necessarily influence physical design because it's mostly about this idea of ownership in the virtual world and like collectibles etc but they do really cool visuals and like really cool i really like the whole clone x thing it's not related to modular kicks but i just really like the, the avatar like the aesthetics of the avatars um and then there's like quite a few virtual footwear designers or like designers that they use like 3D modeling softwares um, such as UBC. I feel like he became really popular last year because he kind of makes these platform heel sneakers. I don't know, it's like really interesting to look at. It's so like 
3D render, but he creates like souls made of sponges, coils, disco balls, anything really, um, which makes it super impactful. Yeah, Trango Skin is a, it's another of our abstract trends, I'll say, because it's more about the idea of how technology is impacting beauty and identity um, and kind of like creating a surreal representation of you know that the human decided to break free from like the limitations of our physical bodies and our physical world um and there's so many digital artists kind of like depicting this transparent second skins that like deliver a softer and more delicate feel to digital textures um such as harriet davy or tavita swanson um, and in the real world, it's actually something that is becoming so popular. Um, I think the first example that came to my mind was the Coperni, um swipe bag, which is made from hand-blown glass construction. And then there's this other Dutch sculpture slash designer called Esme Wedgmans, and she combines like live casting with mold making and 3D printing techniques to make like these super cool wearable second skins um that kind of reflect the idea of like the digitalization of our society in a way yeah definitely translate skin is so cool because it's about like these textures that are made in with digital software that to us are kind of inconceivable to think about like we don't even have adjectives to describe them uh because they're wet Dish, they're glossy and we don't think about them actually being like physical um so then to see it actually made in physical clothing is so interesting um because it, 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 it they almost seem like elements that have been brought from the digital world in, into physical garments which is super cool um and then yes the last one is ai attire which is so broad you know when we started this uh we wanted to touch specifically on how ai is enabling co-creation opportunities between consumers and brands uh you know since then it has become an industry in its own right affecting every single sector of our world um specifically in fashion i think what's really interesting is seeing different brands from you know like casablanca to valentino experimenting with um, experimenting with AI from the ideation phase. So typing in, like using prompts uh, to create collections or using prompts to even create entire campaign lookbooks. And I think not only from a kind of brainstorming ideation stage that this could be really interesting, but it's also about like, can you get just the average fashion fan involved? Um, because anyone at this point can be a creative director I think a lot of the vernacular is around like the a prompter is the new creative director like if you can prompt if you can write words then you can design your own creations and I think it's really exciting and maybe potentially opening doors uh, for fans of brands to get more involved with their actual design process what's cool about AI attire is that it was just your average graphic designer or creative consumer um person that was starting to design these concepts first um i mean we don't know what goes on behind closed doors and brands but 
they became popularized just through Instagram or social media, um, people posting their prompt and their AI generated artwork. And then it wasn't really until after we saw the likes of like uh, Agata Panucci, who's someone that we um, we interviewed, and she creates these like insane Nike or like Jack Moss or um, Adidas AI generated artwork, um, for example. Then we kind of saw the brands taking note and being like, oh, wow, like kind of emerging designers are just like your average consumer is creating these things like maybe we should do it as well. Um, so definitely wanted to shout out a couple of designers that we have in that section. Amazing. It's so incredible how you're able to identify these different trends. And there's, I think it just highlights how broad the digital culture landscape is because even though all these aesthetics are almost linked by the fact that they are futuristic and digitally driven, they are all so different as well. I want to know what is your favorite trend or which trend do you think has had the most impact on your personal style? Uh, it's so hard to pick. I quite like bionic bodies just mm. because I think it taps into, in a way, this idea of transhumanism which is essentially the idea that the human body can be uh, enhanced by technology. And that's been around forever, right? Like the singularity is near, which is in, you know, in the 2050s that technology or AI is going to outsmart us as humans. But I really like, you know, obviously these designs now are, are more aesthetic and they're beautiful. And it's really interesting to see how everything is cut and layered. Um, but it makes me start to speculate way far into the future about like what this hardware as a luxury aesthetic uh, might mean once it becomes smarter, um, giving us super senses. It, it's really exciting to think about. Yeah, it's interesting you say bionic bodies, because for me, that one really stood out as the most practical trend, which, like you said, has been around for longer in the industry because it really is rooted in the functionality it would give and how these different garments could be used for someone not purely from an aesthetic stance or a trend but really to enhance the capabilities of your body or help if you have maybe a disability in some way so I think it is really interesting now how with the impact of the other trends in a way this is coming more into an aesthetic trend and I'm seeing a lot of examples of that on Instagram as well where you're seeing these really like cool looking like aesthetically pleasing like bionic limbs and things so I think that is a really interesting one so yeah but again so different to the others as well I'll say mine is modular kicks actually because I feel like it's a perfect example of bridging the digital and the physical world um and it really opens such a big avenue to like experiment with aesthetics and like make it interactive. Um, and actually when we were in the early stages, we were like kind of thinking, Oh, like imagine if you had a 3D printer at home and like in a few years, you know, brands can like directly, you can just buy the file of a shoe you like, you know, you don't have to like. I don't know it's just so crazy like you can just get this file put it on your 3D printer and then like you have a new shoe and then if you're tired of it you can just recycle it because like usually with 3D printing it's like um, they use mono materials which means like it's super sustainable they can just like recycle it there's like no glue involved there's like it's just so crazy to me it's like so much there's so much room for like 
experimentation and to like grow it into something really really beautiful and really good for the planet and for creativity um so yeah and i think it's something that i actually like wear right like on my you know it's mm. i have like such a cool rotation of like modular slides or like <laughs> modular sneakers and i feel like it's a trend that i dare to wear because i feel like you know i really like the idea of like transverse skins or like bionic bodies but i feel like it would take a bit more time for me to actually be like okay i'm just gonna wear like this silver thing like this silver hardware top to work or <laughs> yeah you know it's interesting you say that because i remember in the report it actually says that the fashion community was more accepting of digital footwear or the influence of digital culture on footwear because the whole marketing around it was more streetwear focused rather than future focused and i do really resonate with that because i feel like with these digital trends with apparel it seems a lot more out there and a lot more future focused and like you said it would even put you off from experimenting with these trends because it seems a bit more crazy but then with footwear it seemed to naturally be accepted into the industry more so i was wondering yeah what's your opinion on this as well and why do you think that is that's really interesting i think um maybe not necessarily in modular kicks specifically but i do think there is a very close connection to the behavior and mindset of a sneakerhead in terms of collectibles and something like artifact where it's virtual sneakers but they're nfts and i think that's because a lot of sneakerheads will buy a pair of shoes never wear them put them on a glass shelf in their room and they're like an art piece and that's exactly what a digital collectible is it's not necessarily to wear but it's to appreciate um and it's also a signal to people that you're a part of this kind of club or community um and i also think outside of that one of our experts was mentioning that footwear in terms of silhouettes um in terms of the streetwear um kind of niche like they haven't really changed in the last couple of decades like fashion has changed so much there's so many different ways to express yourself with clothing but footwear is kind of the same because it's functional right like shoes we need them to work and um fashion not as much so i think you know he was saying the industry is desperate for innovation in design and that's you know web3 offers that like you know footwear designers have always used 3D modeling but through 3D printing and being able to bring these concepts to life through these new tools it just becomes a lot more accessible um and you can just get crazier with the designs that you want to make yeah it's such an interesting point you brought that up because obviously yeah with footwear the functionality is more important because you could use all these cool new um materials a bit like with translucent skin you could create kind of translucent footwear but because it has to be so functional obviously you can't if you don't have it made correctly it's going to impact your back things like this so that's obviously affected the aesthetics and i feel like in this in that way obviously there's so many different topics you can talk about but i feel like that really highlights how technology does impact the trends or the styles because it dictates what you can design so therefore it has so much impact on the aesthetic. So I think 
again, it comes back to all these different trends. It just highlights that completely. But what I want, I did want to ask you as well about, obviously, like you said, that streetwear, that um, sneakerhead consumer just accepted these digital um, trends within footwear. But in order for people to kind of be more open to these new trends within apparel, how do you think fashion brands need to market this in a way? Because obviously you spoke about this different technical jargon in a way that's going to put the fashion consumer off. So how do you think apparel can bring this in more in a natural way? Um, well, I let Kate answer this one, but it was funny because when we were talking about this, we just thought we were just thinking how when Adobe and the Creative Cloud came around in like the 80s and then kind of became more popularized in the 90s, like graphic designers just started using it. Like they didn't sell their campaigns by saying, this art was made by Photoshop, you know what I mean? So I think it's kind of like the same way with AI. I feel like now, you know, every time someone makes a campaign through like from generated images, they have to say it instead of like, I feel like it will cause more of a stir or like you will make people like actually stop and think, oh, is this actually image real? They just like always say it's made by AI or whatever. And we just thought it was funny if, you know, they started saying, oh, this was made using Illustrator, Photoshop. I feel like at the end of the day, it's just a software. It's like a, a tool for creativity. So I don't, personally, I don't think it should be marketed as much and I think on top of that for fashion and tech players to merge it you know this is an obvious response but it just has to be with authentic collaborators um I think Nike just had a really cool example of this where they um collaborated with Ruby Gloom who is a super um you know popular virtual influencer and it's the first time that i've seen that they brought her into a campaign as a physical person because online she is only her avatar um so they brought both her avatar and her together in a campaign uh video and it was just so cool to see her you know like interacting with her avatar and it was such just an authentic connection for nike to make because they could have gone i don't know with like a 3d 3d artist or an ar artist and or maybe someone that could have um digitized their products but they're like no we're gonna go with this like crazy transhumanist virtual avatar but we're also going to bring her physical being into it and show that she's a human and it was a really really nice bridge um showing how digital culture and fashion can coexist in the campaign yeah, and I think it really is about creating these bridges between physical fashion and this digital culture that is surrounding it and not like keeping them so separate because in a way that's only gonna, it's, it's going to not have the positive impact that it could have if you can merge them. But I also wanted to ask then in your opinion, it like goes back to when thinking about now with the whole trend of AI design and the different opinions that this is bringing up. There's obviously now AI Fashion Week, there's Digital Fashion Week, and then there's Conventional Fashion Week. 
Do you think that these should be merged together or that there should be regulations on keeping them separate? Because obviously, yeah, we need to create these bridges, but there also does need to be standardization. So I'm interested to know your opinion on this as well. Um, I would say, in a way, technology and fashion have always had such a close relationship. Fashion offers artistic expression and then technology kind of brings that reliability and efficiency. And obviously it is very difficult because fashion with schedules are already so packed that if a brand wants to, a digital brand wants to like really generate awareness and get to people, it will be hard for them to like differentiate themselves in such a like crowded schedule where you know luxury brands have such a big budget to like actually create this show-stopping moments and like so yeah I think like it is for me it is doable and I, I'll quite like to see them merge but at the same time it's gonna take time uh, especially for just like you know brands that only produce digital fashion or like augmented reality experience but I'll say like what I would really like to see is you know like established brands or emerging brands really like merging these two things together and it's something that's been happening since the 90s you know everybody remembers Alexander McQueen's I think it was 1998 show you know with like the the dress the dress being spray painted by a robot um and one of my absolute favorite designers, you know, is Hussein Shalajan. Like, he is such a, like, he's the definition of thinking outside the box. And, like, it, I think it was in the 2000s, like, um, he put together this, like, um, molded white resin dress that, like, incorporated mechanical movements and then, like, you know, revealed that it was, like, the hidden parts of an airplane. So, like, it's always been there. And, you know, we, we're kind of seeing it now. And I think, like, this kind of links to the previous question, you know, like, why, you know, differentiate it so much through, like, marketing purposes where you can just, like, link them and, like, you know, make people, like, be curious about it and, like, wanting to learn more as opposed to be, like, putting this stack of, like, AI produce or, like, digital produce. Yeah, and I th I think that's such a good way to put it. It should just be this blend. The only thing that comes to my mind, though, is obviously now we're in a position where digital culture is having even more impact on aesthetics than ever before and physical products. So do you think there's any danger that this could go too far in terms of the way that we perceive beauty? Obviously, now if we're, we're going to see brands using more and more digital avatars to market their products like could this have an impact on things like body image or ideal standards like do you think there's any danger in this yeah there's loads of danger I think the elephant in the room is that these tools aren't made for everyone at this stage and AR uh, tools, you know, they misgender people. Um, they don't work for every face. They don't work for every skin tone. Um, you know, AI data sets are not diverse at all. You know, there, there are platforms like Sims, for example, with, which just, um, introduced no, new, um, gender fluid characteristics, um, like top surgery, 
for different skins or characteristics for physical or, or mobile disabilities um, and differences. But I think, uh, you know, there's still quite a long way to go just because of the tools that we currently have access to and the people that make them. Um, I think also within humanoid beauty, one of our experts was uh, comparing this kind of humanoid alien beauty to that of early sci-fi. And we've always seen women specifically or femme bodies really, you know, they're super skinny. Um, there's, there's still a beauty standard, even if they're an alien. Um, they're very subservient still. Um, so I guess the hope is when we go into this new wave that we can understand the limitations and the the challenges and the errors that we've made in terms of beauty standards and representation um, and hopefully, you know, not make those mistakes again. No, it's so true. It's so, so interesting. Again, like all of these questions and just looking at this topic, it just highlights again how broad the impact is of this, of this digital culture. But I wanted to know, what do you think is the number one impact that these trends will have on the garments we're wearing in the more near future? Right now, just the, the, every, the thing that's on everyone's mind right now, I think, is AI, and specifically AI and craftsmanship. And it feels like on a consumer level, there's so much interest there in experimenting with it, much more so than NFTs or crypto or even AR or immersive experiences. It just seems, even if it's in a satirical way, I think people are gravitating towards it more. So I think it is quite inherent to like near future physical collections um, because AI really, it, it's not... It, it is a tool, but it also completely confronts who we are as humans. And it makes us have those like deep questions with ourselves. Like, is this plagiarism? Are, you know, there's this extreme automation anxiety and it's going to be the rough, really the responsibility of the experts in the space to make people less freaked out. But automation anxiety has always been a thing, right? Like so many people say when they talk about automated automation anxiety for AI is looking back to photography and the camera and when the camera came out you know artists and painters and sculptors were like this is going to take our jobs this is a machine this isn't real this can't, this can't be creative and look at all of the amazing things that that tool has brought to this world um in terms of artistic expression so um you know I think there's a lot of back and forth with AI and craftsmanship but um yeah, I think we'll get there. I think one really interesting example that just happened was at um, Men's Fashion Week, uh, Vet Mom, for their SS24 collection. Uh, it was all uh, influenced by AI. The creative director basically said that uh, he wanted it to look like the silhouettes were created by AI, but they weren't. So inherently, then he said they're anti-AI because there's so much craftsmanship that goes into it and it was made by hand and it was um ideated by humans but i just don't know if that's anti-ai because it was influenced by it he did use it he literally you know the press release was written by chat gbt so there was that thinking and there was that collaboration um so to think that craftsmanship 
craftsmanship is the antithesis of AI is something that I think will be talked about for a long time mm-hmm. and influence um, both physical and digital dressing. Yeah, I think that's such a good example because it goes back to bridging the gap between people who are have this anxiety around automation, like you were saying specifically with AI and craftsmanship and design, because that example specifically almost makes fun of it and light of it and makes it seem a bit less intense and scary. And I think that's exactly as we're going down this path of more digital tools, more technology within fashion, we have to keep it light and also visible in order to not make it this scary dark thing that is going to come and consume the industry. It's more needs to be integrated in and still the creatives and humans in a way still have control over it. So I think that's a really good example for that. But I wanted to ask you more personally, how do these virtual ecosystems actually affect your personal style or way of consuming fashion? Yeah, so I think kind of like we were talking about earlier, streetwear um, or streetwear style is really just about signaling yourself to a community that you want to connect to. Um, and it's really all about being like, oh, I've spotted that, that I know that you're wearing this thing that other people might not not know the brand, but I do. And in that way, it connects you. And I think for me personally, that's these trends. Like when I see brands like Gentle Monster, who are so cool, um, and so futuristic and they use avatars in their campaigns and they have done collaborations with witchcraft and, um, it, they, they to me are a signal. Um, so when I wear them, I feel like I'm kind of connected to potentially like someone within the digital culture space. And I think, um, you know, these trends are, are quite femme and they're quite interesting in, in both streetwear and technology haven't been as open to women and non-binary or queer people um they have that in common at least but i think within these trends we can look at the softer more inclusive side of fashion and tech um merging and it's just something i feel very connected to aesthetically yeah um for me i say you know when i was a kid and i will play video games like my avatar will always have like crazy like hairstyle like crazy looks and then like my physical self I mean I was the kid so like you would have to ask for your parents permission so it would be quite like neutral and I would say like now since you know it's started to like become so popular I'm like I'm just gonna become an avatar like (laughs) I'm like I feel like I'm more um daring with like my hair or my clothes and like I'm more open to things because I feel like you know, it's especially fashion brands now are like portraying that through their campaigns. And I feel like it's so good because like it makes you feel, I feel like when, when you're able to like fully express yourself and like really, you know, being creative with, with how you want to look or what you want to like people to think about you or like connect with certain groups and subcultures, it's just like so nurturing and so like positive for creativity. Yeah, and is this heightened creativity and acceptance the main aspect that interests you about digital culture? Yeah, I think creativity, but also it just feels, you know, there's a lot of problems, 
But digital culture and the internet and these portals that we have access to so many different things that we wouldn't have access to, it, it can just become so identity affirming. Like you can figure out ways to represent yourself that you didn't know that you could or maybe you didn't have access to in the physical world. And, you know, digital culture does seem maybe niche, but it's just, it's absolutely everywhere. Like I look at my, I mean, I might be an outlier, but I look at my screen time um, at the end of each week. And like every day I access Instagram like a hundred times and it, and it doesn't seem that much to me. I just go in and out and in and out because you're messaging and, and it's just subconsciously in the background of everything. And I think it's just really interesting to see how it's impacting us as, as human beings and the opportunities for identity affirmation that it brings. Yeah, no, I th- I love the way you said it. it is just in the background because, yeah, it almost is. Yeah, we just have to accept that it's this thing that's infused into our life. And there, I, I feel like looking at the way this is impacting fashion trends is so interesting. So I love that you've been able to do this. So I wanted to ask you as well, in terms of all these trends, in terms of digital culture, where do you think the future of the fashion industry is going? Yeah, um, I mean, I think in the near future, I hope that it can really be more of a revolving door between online and offline. Um, I hope that, like I mentioned about streetwear and tech in general, I hope that there's a lot less gatekeeping and these tools facilitate stronger connections and um, conversations between consumers of product and designers of product. Um, And I'm also really just kind of particularly excited for when fashion continues to to merge with like the hardware side of tech. Um, And we have these kind of interactive wearables that connect us to these infinite worlds. I, I feel the same way. I feel like for me, the the future I mean it's so hard to think about it because it's just one day you think it's one thing and then the next it's just completely different but I'll say you know it, it's still like in a way it, it still relies a lot in community I hope like that's kind of like what it takes um because I feel like community for me fashion is like you know connecting to other people and just like really listening to what people have to say and yeah Mm, I love how you brought up community because I feel like digital culture really enables this through different through different Mm -hmm. ways but I think that's one of the main positive aspects of this whole space I think is really developing that community aspect so I think that's really cool um but I also wanted to ask you in terms of all these trends are there any examples of brands um that are really embracing these aesthetics or trends have you found so many <laughs> I mean I don't know why the first brand that came to my mind was um Paquera and how like they posted a series of pictures like during the Met Gala of like you know prompt generated images and I thought it was so funny because I kind of like when creatives approach AI or you know digital softwares and digital tools with like humor I feel like it just makes it you know going back or you know what we were talking about making it accessible and like opening the conversation um I don't know about UK like is there anything that comes to mind I mean I you know I have to shout out Ambush 
because uh, yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> but I think ambush are well. First of all, Yunan has been you know in the streetwear game for so long, and she's always been known, I think, to take risks when there's new things and just try things out. And when um, you know, kind of digital culture metaverse um came into conversation, she was like, you know what, I'm not gonna make a Roblox world and or I'm not gonna um go into someone else's software or territory. I'm gonna build my own. So she literally created her entirely own autonomous metaverse called Silver Factory. Um and I think that really shows like the just innate curiosity of her as a founder and creative director to take her brand into new spaces that are relevant to her consumer. And I think that also just trickles into her physical collections as well. Like she's very you know, close and connected in a very authentic way to like rave culture, which has a lot to do with then music. It has a lot to do with then like digital electronic, like it's all kind of revolving and interconnected. And I think there's so many different elements of her brand that just feel innately connected to digital culture, even the way that she communicates with her audience through her like social channels. Um, it's great to see. I'm a big fan. Yeah, that's such a good example because I think it highlights all these new emerging, this new emerging digital space is just such a great source of inspiration for designers and the physical garments that they create and the way that they interact with their consumers as well. So I think, yeah, that's like the perfect example to sum up digital culture and also the trends that you've highlighted in this report. So it's so cool. And yeah, it's just inspiring to hear all about these and it's exciting to see where they'll all go and the actual impact that digital culture will have on fashion as it continues to evolve. But finally, where Definitely. can people read the Hype Bay report and also learn more about yourselves? Uh, yeah, definitely. So if you want to read Diving Into Digital, it is on uh, the Hype Bay platform. So just go to hypebay.com. And um, you can just type in diving into digital. It's saved as a banner, so it should be quite easy to find. Um, and if you want to follow my work, you can find me on Instagram at KateCMo. Yeah, if you want to find me on Instagram, uh, my handle is Sofia de la Cruz, um, C-R-X-Y-Z. Perfect. Thank you so much.